The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information on this or other KUCI programs, visit KUCI.org or KUCITalk.org. I find this scientifically fascinating. You're listening to KUCI Irvine. Disengage this computer now. Broadcasting at 88.9 FM. Hello, computer. And on the web at KUCI.org. The most reliable computer ever made. And streaming through iTunes. Don't expect any mercy during the Great Robot Wars. Anteater Radio brought to you by machines. Returning to normal broadcast in free. Two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to UCI Conversations, a weekly public affairs program dedicated to exploring everything in the land of blue and gold with interviews of UCI leaders, innovators, and last but not least, Zot, 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 everyday anteaters. Hello, Anteater Nation. This is UCI Conversations. I'm your host, Kevin Bossenmeyer, and do we have a show for you today? As you know, the Los Angeles Rams football team are at UCI for their annual kickoff training camp, but this year is just a little bit different, a little bit more special, because this year they are the defending Super Bowl champions. Yeah, 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 baby. And here today as my special guest is a key architect of the team, Rams general manager, Les Sneed. Welcome to the show, Les. How are you today? I'm good. Fantastic. I'm good, Jack, to be here. Les, every week my show explores another person at this great academic institution. As an annual campus visitor, you're definitely qualified. Please tell us where you grew up and what you like to do when you were a kid. Oh, man. I grew up... Uh small town in alabama it's uh eufaula is the name and you know it's small town in alabama so in those days you know it's hey there's an element of free play probably not just in town but probably in the era you grew up so i I think i think i would say uh modern day huck finn right not necessarily huck finn but it was a little more modern than that but we woke up every day and we found our gang and from there, we went about our day, tried to figure out some adventures. A lot of them probably in my life tilted toward, eventually tilted toward sports. Yeah. So. Yeah. What sports did you play when you were a kid? You know, it, it's uh, probably opposite or 180 or inverse to uh, a lot of people that might be listening. It never really played structured little league anything. Like it was, if we played football, it was in a backyard somewhere. If we played basketball, it was in the backyard. Now there, we had pee wee football. We had, we had little league basketball. So dabbled in that, but it was very unstructured. It was probably the the season of the sport. Fall was football. Winter was basketball. Hmm. Spring, summer, baseball. No hockey in Alabama. No lacrosse in Alabama. Then no gymnastics in Alabama. <laughs> so gotcha, gotcha. Were you always? kind of toward the top of the the heap in terms of your your peers in terms of you know athletically uh i think it there was there was a natural uh evolution there so somewhere probably somewhere probably between seventh and eighth grade right mom dad god gave me maybe a little bit more than most in my hometown but you know up until then i might have been 
uh, a lot less than most in my hometown. So uh, huh. I think it was the seventh and eighth grade spurt, whatever yeah. that is. Yeah. Good, good, good. So then in high school, did you play sports? Yeah, did play sports in high school. Okay, what'd you play? Probably singled it down to, to football, mm-hmm. but did did dabble in golf and tennis with the high school team, did dabble in basketball with the high school team, ne- never really got into baseball. But but as as I progressed on the football field, uh, you know, I eliminated the other sports and focused on that, like a lot of people do today. Yeah, gotcha. How'd you decide to go to Auburn? Well, I originally went to Tro- – it's it's now Troy. Then it was Troy State. So in Alabama, right, you grow up, you're either – you're either an Auburn or Alabama fan. So, uh, and, and if you're in sports, you're either you either want to go to one of the two. Was you know they didn't offer me coming out of high school. Was recruited recruited by both, but didn't get an offer. So, uh, you know, signed with Troy State to play football lesser level. Somewhere along the way, there it was okay. I've proven I can like can do it at this level. Uh, um probably at that point aware that I'm probably not playing in the NFL. So if I only got so many years left, let's see if we can we can do it at the place that uh, you know, I was uh most passionate about, the place that I loved and that was Auburn. Yeah, very good. And you did have an amazing year, was it 1993? 1993. Wow, perfect season. Perfect season. What 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 was, you know, any moments that you recall like, yeah, hey boy, we're still undefeated here. Three- you know, I think the it's interesting. I think we – I forget what week it was. Maybe week six, seven, game six or seven, let's call it. We were 6-0, and 7-0. Oh, and oh. uh, Maybe we were either playing the seventh or eighth game. But we, we ran into, if you're a college football fan, Steve Spurrier's Florida Gators, and they were undefeated as well. And on that day, that was a back-and-forth game. Probably never – should have won the game uh, at all. But it, Steve Spurry, if you know him, he was fun and gun. That means he was one of the first that was spreading you out and throwing the ball around. And they may have had a 14-point lead, and they were inside our five-yard line going in. Probably could have made it a 21-point lead. They threw the ball. One of our guys, his name's Calvin Jackson, picked it off in the back of the end zone, took it 108 yards to probably make it a one-store game instead of a – Three score game. So oh, yeah. that play, that moment, that game, you're like, well, oh, wait a minute, we might, yeah. we might be on to something special. Yeah. So I think the next week, I, I was a pre med, kind of health, pre health career student. So I do remember going, okay, this might be a fun season. So I went and dropped maybe like organic chemistry. I was like, you know what, we're gonna, you know what, I'm gonna really enjoy, embrace this yeah. moment. We'll yeah. get to organic yeah. chemistry later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very, very good. So you're a psychology major, pre-med major, and then do you go right away to grad school for masters of education? Or yeah, that was it. Was really, it was really that you end up getting at that point in time when uh, our coaching staff, some of our coaches at Auburn. Uh, asked me to be a what they what we call a graduate assistant coach. So it's 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 really your entry level job into college football coaching. Now, and schools still have it today, but in those days there were a lot less support staff. But I always say we we were entry level coaches, and we basically our salary was homework. So uh, I did. Uh, it was really here's what I can say. I regret getting the master's in education because it was the first time I was lazy in that they had this really, really 
Auburn at that day had they have a really good architecture program, and they had this uh, that, let's call it city planning program that I was actually fascinated with, and uh, but it was tough to get into, and it was tough to finish. So uh, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna be really busy doing football. So yeah. I'll just at that point in time go, you know what, I'll pick what I think is the easiest masters so did pick master of education don't want to belittle uh anyone who's gone through that but neat thing so many years later really really glad that i did that because it it was pretty neat meeting some of the professors and and really some of the psychological aspects of of right how to engineer environments where uh where people you know learn uh and learn you know more efficiently better at their best so i think that really comes in handy yeah. In the job I'm in now. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> very good. Would you say that that was key to your career? I mean, do you think you would have gone on to a career in the NFL without that grad assistant? No, not – I would think th- – you never know. Yeah. Uh, I always say life's – you read about all this quantum com- com- computing <laughs> coming. And I'm like, man, life is very quantum, right? You, yeah. you never know, right, if you would have taken a left. But I always go back – by going to Auburn – by the coaching staff not necessarily recognizing that I was a good player but that maybe I could be more beneficial in a coaching role and then from there right you just get breaks and mentors uh right that begin the 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 process of evolving to where I am now where if you could have stayed at Troy and maybe not had that network but maybe would have done something else so you never really know but I do know this that uh uh, that experience at Auburn definitely impacted yeah. the journey. Yeah, very good. When did the Atlanta football team, the Atlanta Falcons, enter the picture? Do you seek them out or do they seek you out? I think at that point in time, because I was, again, beginning the career, it was uh, a gentleman in Jacksonville left for promotion in Atlanta, and so he wanted to bring me along and also give me a promotion working for him. So like a lot of a lot of how life works, right? People you meet, places you go. Uh it, heck, we're on a college campus, right? Uh it's it's those it's those teachers there or professors that you you have a connection with and you actually decide to go knock on the door and they decide to answer it and 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 you you never know what that relationship where it's going to lead. Yeah. Yeah, very good. You were at Atlanta for 13 years, I think. That's... that You know what? You, I can't do the math, but 1998 to 2011, or through 2011, okay. in seasons. So let's go at 98 yeah, season, I think 99 we're there. season. <laughs> Is it? I don't have a calculator in front yeah, of yeah. me. So. It was, but I can't say for in professional sports, entertainment business, that's a, it's a pretty long tenure. Yeah, yeah. Can you briefly describe your development in that organization? Oh, it's. I think it, if I think I went through two owners. Uh, let's call it Dan Reeves was a head coach. Uh, Wade Phillips was an interim head coach. Let's call it Jim Moore was a head coach. Emmett Thomas was an interim head coach. Mike Smith was a head coach. So five head coaches a lot of different maybe two or three different general managers and I say that by going I was fortunate enough to be doing something right or enough for each new regime each new administration 
to elect to keep me, but I, I do think going through that disruption and right seeing where maybe things went wrong. I call it learning lesson acquiring wisdom without necessarily the accountability, mm-hmm. uh, I think is, is very huge. Interesting. What was your final position with the, the Falcons? Do you, do you feel like that was the growth to that yeah, the, position? I would say the final position was director of player personnel. Okay. So that's overseeing the, the scouting department and was one of the one of our general managers let's call it top lieutenants so in sports we were thomas dimitrov uh was with the new england patriots so arthur blank who was my second owner there hired thomas and in those days right the the new england blueprint like can we implement that a little bit here Mm -hmm. he hires mike smith but i think one of the the key components there is we did in, in thomas's first draft uh drafted matt ryan the qb and Subsequently, the Falcons went on to have consecutive winning seasons for the first time in franchise history. So there was this four-year run where the Falcons went from really inconsistent uh, franchise to consistent winner. So um, and then so now what happens is other owners start knocking on the door and say, "Okay, maybe maybe they're doing something right there. Is there anyone there that can maybe help us?" So. Yeah. You get in this thing, It's it, it, we always say football is one of the more complex, sophisticated team sports based on the number of people involved. But you definitely realize to to be successful as a whole, as a group, as a we, and to even be successful as a, as a me, an individual, boy, are you relying on mm-hmm. other people working together symbiotically to, right, to collaborate, to compete. Yeah. What do you think that your strongest asset is? I mean, I, I get the sense that you're a darn hard worker. Uh, I, I can go say several more things, but I'll, I'll let you, do, can you give me your evaluation of that? Uh, strongest assets, uh, probably very, very aware of the situation. Uh, for good and for bad, probably uh, – less emotional than most so i've always been able to maybe this is me i as an i uh let's call it i don't want to say get to the point but realize there's some emotional drama noise but there's there's something that's probably there's root causes of that so being able to get to the root cause uh really really i mean at a quick rate uh, and you probably need that in sports as you go through ups and downs and wins and losses and the, and the roller coaster of that. And and I think the the other thing is is realizing having this curious nature, this open mindedness is that okay I might can figure out the important variables, but I probably aren't smart enough to figure out how to right make it all work or come up with a solution. So have have always said you know what we better hire have bright people around that are maybe really experts in these specific domains uh, that can help us build a football team. Yeah. So when do the Rams enter the picture? I guess in 2011, 2012. Yeah, it was after the 11 season. 2012 season was my first with the Rams. So I think just going back, that four-year window with the 
with the Falcons. I think it was 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, where we had four straight winning seasons, a playoff run. And, again, that's when Kevin Demoff, our team president, Stan Kroenke, our owner, kind of knocked on our door to say, hey, is is there anyone with the Falcons that could help lead our organization? Mm-hmm. So, Gotcha. Excuse me just for a moment while I update our audience less. Ladies and gentlemen, if you joined us late, you're listening to UCI Conversations. I'm your host, Kevin Bossenmeyer, and my very special guest today is Los Angeles Rams General Manager Les Snead. And we've been talking all about his career and working his way to the Rams. So we're just on that trail. This is 2012. So now here you are at the Rams. The Rams aren't doing very well in those days. No, we, we in, in, in my first five years as general manager, we never had a winning season. We were competitive at times. Uh, I think one of our better records was seven, eight, and one. We never could get over the hump. Uh, we we did have some disruption at at quarterback with with injuries, and and that and that probably kept us from maybe cashing in and having one or two playoff years uh during those five but at the end of the day those five years we we didn't have a winning record and 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 and, and this is the the fortunate thing that uh I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today is is uh Stan and Kevin let go of Jeff Fisher our head coach but through the process over the next month or two as we as we began the search for a new head coach decided to uh allow me to stay on as GM. So I, I get a definitely get a second chapter, not saying I earned that second chapter. Uh, did some things along the way that maybe uh, they felt like, okay, he deserves a, a second chapter. But easily could have had that first chapter and, you know what, like a lot of people who weren't able to do their part in getting a team over the hump, uh, I was able to get that second chapter. And, and I do think uh, – very important because when you get a second chapter, you have earned a lot of experience, wisdom, and and definitely made it a point to go, okay, we can't, as an organization, allow my experience or even our experience, Kevin's included, everyone who got to stay is, all right, we, we better sit down and figure out what we learned and definitely apply the lessons that we need to apply immediate, effective <laughs> immediately. Gotcha. Can you go into a little bit of the process of coming to Sean McVay, which, you know, hindsight being 2020, it looks like the most brilliant, which it, well, it, it has been, but was he at the top of the list when you guys were searching for a new coach? I think he was He was definitely uh, an, a candidate we identified. Again, like you said, he was 30 years old. Right. So uh, we had just moved to L.A. We had failed miserably. I mean – that 16 season, we started off three and one. We finished four and 12. So, right there was a lot of, lot of right fanfare, excitement of the Rams coming back, and then it's almost you, you flop in L.A. That's probably not, that's not that is that is not in the manual. You can't flop in L.A. Right, but so there's a lot. But what I do know is this: is is uh, we did know that when you when you bring your analytics into play and analysts like the Washington at that point their football team now commanders now uh Redskins then but they were they were when he was calling plays they were a top five offense in a lot of important metrics and he was a young 
young, vibrant coach. So we are, and we had always historically with the Rams during those five years, that first chapter I talked about, we had a really salty defense. Our offense was just 32nd in the league if you, by, by, by metrics. So we were top 10 in defense, but last placed in offense. So we were focused on getting the offense right. We had tried the defensive thing. It didn't work out. So that made Sean uh, a candidate that we wanted to interview. Now, when you sit down and meet Sean, then it's like, okay, wait a minute. There's This guy doesn't feel – I mean, if 30, if youth was the Achilles heel, no, he's – that's not the case. Yeah, he's he's ready for this, and I think what we did do, and I think some of the uh, talking to some of the players that he coached in in Washington, and and those players, I mean, they 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 really sold Sean authentically, uh, urgently. You could just tell they were confident, like, oh yeah, that's that's your guy. That, yeah, that I promise you, that's your guy. Yeah, and I think having that, you know, players are the most important people in our business are <laughs> our players are some of the more important right more valuable yeah. right yeah. let's call it yeah. teammates that we have in this thing and 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 those players being able to articulate right why sean mcveigh mm. was the right choice for the rams yeah. so sat him and uh, we were able to get him in front of stan and i give stan Kroenke credit because uh right there's a lot of responsibility when you go through what he did to relocate an nfl team to mm. LA and this was this was the NFL's right second or next shot at succeeding at a right a rare market right and so to be four and 12 uh on let's call it inaugural year and then back that up with the hiring of a 30 year old coach uh yeah give Stan credit that took a lot of courage yeah. even though maybe Kevin myself Tony Pastors we were recommending Sean it 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 took him to pull the trigger. Yeah, and and Sean was the man. Like it, there wasn't multiple candidates. It was like this. Is well, who we we're... interviewed uh, uh, other candidates, and a lot of those candidates became head coaches hmm. that year, or, or or maybe the next two years. But we did feel like, based on what we were looking for, someone to take our offense to a, a, another level, and 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 someone that could really really relate to uh our players that generation of player and 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 also someone that could grow with us right there was there was an element of of okay this was we always we've had an old adage or or we talked about this do we hire someone right that's proven and when when the rams hired uh, Jeff, he was a proven head coach, but it didn't go so well with us. So now it was like, okay, in that model, do you hire someone unproven and then he proves himself right while he's with you? And at that point, that's where, uh, right, you're probably leveraging, you know, that coach's better years. Gotcha. You know, you, you talked about Stan, the owner. Uh, the pressure coming to this this market that hasn't had a football team in twenty or plus years is there a sense of pride? With so is SoFi Stadium part of the mix? I, I was talking to an architect yesterday who was part of the building of the stadium, and he says it's it's well recognized as the top major football stadium in the world. I mean, is that part of the mix, or is oh, that's a huge part of the mix. 
and and even our opportunity because I do think I think these variables Los Angeles, Southern California uh having a a winning program uh a culture, a coach when players vet say you know what that is a a place right that's in enjoying the journey not just having success they're enjoying the journey and I, I think you add SoFi Stadium to it right there is a lot of players right when that when when they become free agents or, or they would like to be traded they're gonna uh, if most of them if not all of them are gonna knock on our door first and I I don't know and and I always say that that's uh we call it that's our fortune, right? Our we're lucky. Now you could say we earned it, right? Stan has spent a lot of his money, not asking the taxpayers per se, to do this. So he, he you can say you you kind of created a, your luck, but again, those variables do uh, all of those combined make this a destination where uh, really good NFL football players want to play and live. SoFi being, I like that's if you want to call it the, the icing on the cake, or mm-hmm. it, it's probably becoming the cake. Mm-hmm. But yeah, 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 very good, ladies and gentlemen. If you joined us late, you're listening to UCI Conversations. My special guest is Los Angeles Rams general manager Les Snead, who, along with head coach Sean McVay, were the key architects in last year's Super Bowl championship team. The Rams are currently at UCI for their annual preseason training camp on Crawford Field, and the public has absolutely been loving it. Now back to the interview. Congratulations on the Rams juggernaut. I, I am a fan, but I can't quote you every statistic and every player and so forth. In studying your organization for the last two weeks when I realized I was going to get to interview you, wow, you guys are at the top of your game the 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 energy the focus the dedication it's amazing it's and i know you hear people talk about it but it's like every you know, the players everybody seems to be on board there's the it, and it's it's focused there's a synergy about it all did i get it right that's <laughs> that is correct yeah yeah that's awesome that is correct and it's it's a it's a, and I would say this not just in sports, but probably places of work, but I, maybe moments in time on the timeline uh, in everyone's life, not just ours. But what I can say of my experience in in life in the league, this is a this is a special period that it's it's not going to last forever. We're going to try to keep it lasting. But at the end of the day, you're very well aware that from a, just coming to work, everyone. Everyone having an ego to want to be successful, but more an ego for the Rams, right? There, there's gonna yeah. all of us. Everyone's gonna be somewhat selfless, so that right, like you said, the it's not that you read about an individual, or it's just Aaron Donald or Cooper Cup or Sean McVay. It's like wow, you read about the Rams, and that's kind of they seem like they they have this synergy. They seem like they have it right. Yeah. So you, it's something that. Uh, I, I would say we never sat down and said, all right, this is the exact blueprint mm-hmm. of how we get there. But we did come together uh, as a group to collaborate on, like, let's try to create something that's special. And I think at that point in time, you 
you come in, you make some mistakes, learn from them, get better, and come in the next day, and you're you're a little bit better, and and here we are. Yeah, yeah, very good. In the Rams official 2021 yearbook, it says that you and head coach Sean McVay are partners in directing all personnel decisions. Do you guys ever disagree? You know what? The, I, 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 we never disagree. And people say, how do you not disagree? Because I, I usually the decisions we make are, are not necessarily like binary, right? There, there's, they're usually decisions where, okay, we, we either have a problem to solve, a player to draft, uh, a player to trade for. So I think we have, we've always looked at it like, okay, we need to not just get him and I in the room. At the end of the day, he and I are going to make the final decision. We're responsible for it. We're accountable for it. But we really look at it like, okay, let's get let's get the people in the room, right, that can provide insight, uh, provide data for us to try to make the best decision for the Rams. So it's rarely does it get to – Right, there's a decision where there's a yes or a no or a right or a wrong or a Sean because it 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 just doesn't happen. That there might be times where right you in in a player you maybe maybe there's times you, one side wants a player more, but it's really okay. Let's sit down, talk through it. Why why do we want him? Why do we not win? What's best for the Rams? So I would say there's never been yeah. really a disagreement. I it's you guys seem like you could practically be brothers am i yeah. i mean i i know you're professional you know colleagues and so forth but there's this energy about you too yeah he's the extroverted younger brother <laughs> i'm the introverted more stoic older brother gotcha okay I, I i get it i get it how often do you guys meet do you like for right right now are you are you meeting on a daily basis when you run into each other what what, what you what, know what the answer is we're probably a culture, especially Sean and I, of not we, – we'll have some structured meetings during the calendar year, but it's not like, okay, we're going to schedule a meeting just to meet every day. So we're – we may have these huddles daily. We communicate daily and things like that. But what we've found in our working relationship – as an example, I'm I'm very well aware, right, especially this time of year when we come to camp, Sean's time is is very structured. Uh, boy, his energy is really drained because he's pouring it out to his coaching staff, his players. So, if I use this example, if there's like little bitty rocks that start piling up, number one, it's it's okay. Let's let's kind of handle those, solve those at the right moment. We'll inform Sean. We, these are the little rocks, and we got those taken care of. And then if there's a a big rock that arises, you know, then we'll we'll call a meeting, have a meeting. And and then there's those moments on the timeline where, okay, we do know that there's going to be some structured meetings. So it, we're in training camp. we got to cut the team from 90 players to 53 players. And on that, we got to sign a practice squad of 16. So there end up being 69 of 90 players, maybe new players. So we do know that you know, as training camp evolves, as the preseason goes, we'll have, we'll have some structured meetings to discuss that. But yeah. – we communicate daily, but yeah. not in a structured way. Yeah, yeah. So if you're if you're not a meeting person, you'd like to work with the Rams, <laughs> a meet to meet person. I call it. Gotcha. 
Is there a difference between the GM for a football team, baseball team, and basketball team? Do you do you do you sense are they? Yeah, they're very. I think yeah. from when you start getting into the nuances, I think they're they're very different. You know, uh, from a general standpoint, general manager, they're similar. But uh, when we get into the nuances, right of of the different sports and what their responsibilities are, and I would say this: generally, the responsibilities are very similar. General managers are going to be accountable, responsible for building the best, right roster team team of people as possible but you know after that right the team of people are going to be doing different things uh you're going to be scouting uh in different ways it's just so many so many different things so i think you could say there's some similarities from the general standpoint but uh uh, there's definitely some days it would be right it would be okay heart surgeon versus brain surgeon right Mm -hmm. end of the day they're both surgeons Mm -hmm. but they're doing surgery on yeah. Two different organs of the body. Okay. How about, do you have seasons in your year? I get the impression that at draft time, that's your crazy time and you're working 24 seven or, you know. Right. And, and then right now it appears to me that it's like, okay. And I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but you're a little relaxed. You've done all your work. All the players are in place. Now it's just a matter of seeing what blossoms and, kind of going from there. It, yeah, I, I do think training camps are a very relaxing time because it, we're not we're not winning or losing yet. Uh-huh. You'll get, we'll get ratcheted up when the season starts, but you you're on the something the nuance of of my job and responsibility versus Sean's it's pretty neat the way it works is I can probably be some version of a voice of reason during the season uh because Sean's right in the weeds and the nuances responsible right for getting a team prepared to win a game now then we go off season which you start thinking about free agency uh the draft i all of a sudden get into the more intense weeds nuances and and at that point shong does a nice job of like you know if you want to call it the younger brother uh having a voice of reason so i i think that's the the neat neat thing about our partnership but it also uh, can paint a picture of how the there is phases and seasons mm-hmm. to uh, to our jobs. Yeah, yeah. How about adversity? You know, you you seem like you know you guys are the Super Bowl champs this year, and I know I totally think it's so cool that you're. I get the message I hear from the Rams is that was last year. Everybody's undefeated right now, and we're we're it's a new year, which it's, is a fact. Yeah, it's a total fact. Now it? it is a fact that we're still. Yeah. 2021 champs but yeah. Yeah. it yeah. is true everyone's zero zero yeah, yeah. good today. good but how but in terms of you know you guys and you said it's like hey we we are on a run right now that's like incredible in terms of adversity how can you give me a, a self-evaluation of, of of a situation and uh, you know of how you handle like when you don't have an answer uh you know when you're feeling overwhelmed do you ever feel overwhelmed? You seem oh, there's, uh, there's definitely, and I, I think I would go from a concept standpoint, and it, it's a element of a buzzword, but when you look at it deeper, we like to discuss being an anti fragile culture. So, in simple terms, right, fragile would be like a china teacup, and you just got to really, you know, 
be very careful and, and even be careful when you drink out of you if you drop it's in a million pieces and it's over F- resilient would be maybe like a sippy cup that a a kid would drink and you you drop it on the ground and it, it's it can it can take the bangs you can pick it up fill it up with more juice drink it things like that but it's just resilient it's not like it's getting better so again so what we like to do is we know there's going to be adversity uh, you don't really necessarily know when or where or what kind. You can try to plan for different, but we know there's going to be. And if you get into the the gentleman who wrote the anti-fragile book, and there's some controversy there, things like that. But the concept would be there's a black swan. What we took from like reading and studying this is there is a way to, okay, when you do have adversity, can you be more than resilient? Can you intentionally uh, try to engineer culture right where you bring a group together and say okay we're going through this can we actually be stronger on the other side not just withstand right so a lot of times in football there's going to be injuries and that's some of your let's call it surprising black swan type adversity so you hear next man up but can that next man actually do what the man he's replacing does and there's a possibility uh that player can't so can that player help us just withstand yes okay but now do we need to do things differently maybe from a scheme standpoint or bringing another player right to actually be stronger on the other side of adversity and so there's some theory on that but I think that's that's kind of one of the things we we uh we try to implement and very well aware that adversity is adversity, that there's going to be emotions to it. There's going to be right up. There's going to be a phase of, 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 you know, mourning, healing, and, you know, and, and again, this is football stuff. So not, but very similar, you're going through that. And then there's that phase of like, okay, we got to begin digging out of this. And usually in sports, if it's last season, we lose Robert Woods, one of our, better receivers we lose three straight games right how after that that month do we somehow get better get stronger right down the stretch to win a Super Bowl and not just okay withstand and say we'll just try to figure it out and get to next year and hopefully adversity doesn't come yeah that's an example you know that being said I just want to acknowledge. I don't think you guys win the Super Bowl without that attitude. I mean, I get. I know there must be multiple other attitudes and success ways to do that, but. Uh, and I'll, I'll I'll take that a step closer. I and I give our players credit, and, and and you can have this top down and try to. That can be a philosophy, but last year, down that stretch through that adversity we could feel not only the leadership let's call it trying to execute or adhere to that philosophy but you actually saw the saw and felt the players living it like they were they were living it and they were believing it and and they knew hey we I mean I let's go to the Super Bowl we had already lost Robert Woods we did not have our starting tight end during the Super Bowl we lost uh Odell Beckham Jr. we we lost our second tight end uh, who was replacing Tyler Higby, our starter. So we're wounded when oh, we're down in terms of our – I mean, we're a 
we're a utilize our skill position offense and wow are we taking on water so long story short right a a gentleman uh by the name of Bryson Hopkins who hadn't played a lot for us ended up right catching four passes uh converting some third downs late in that game in that crucial drive to either win or win or go home a, a loser so uh, that i would say that illustrates the anti-fragile yeah. culture fantastic conclusion to the interview gm less needed with a super bowl champion Los Angeles Rams from 2021. Good luck for this season. We'll be watching. We'll take a look. Thank you again to Los Angeles Rams GM Les Snead for taking the time to join us on UCI Conversations. His roadmap and insights into his amazing career were remarkable. Thank you, Les. And his Super Bowl winning football team continues to practice here at UCI until August 10th. For free tickets, go to www.therams.com forward slash training camp. That's www.therams.com forward slash training camp. Have a great time and have a ton of fun. The countdown is on. The 2022 NFL season begins in less than five weeks. You've been listening to UCI Conversations, where every week we explore another corner of the land of blue and gold with interviews of UCI leaders innovators, and zot, 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 everyday anteaters. Even special visitors to the campus sometimes, like the L.A. Rams. If you'd like to hear an encore of this show or any of my past shows, simply go to my podcast website at www.bossenmeyer.com. Enjoy. Comments and suggestions are always welcome at kboss at kuci.org. I'm your host, Kevin Bossenmeyer, wishing you a very pleasant good evening and encouraging you to keep working hard. It will pay off. I'd also like to take a moment to acknowledge the loss of two giants of the sports world this week. First, we lost NBA Celtic great Bill Russell, who was a true gentle giant, and Dodger legendary sportscaster Vince Scully. For those of you who are too young to know or remember, both of these individuals touch the lives of millions in doing what they love to do, play basketball and announce Dodger baseball. With love, may they rest in peace. And now here to play the show out until the top of the hour, Mr. Fred Kaplan on piano playing the blues. <laughs>